we're in my favorite weather zone where the sun has returned and you get to wear a light jacket around. Yeah, I call it hoodie and shorts weather. Yeah, it's so nice. Perfect. Little breeze. Yeah. Mm. And so it's coincided with me returning to the ballpark, right? Like I was doing Leafs talk and having all the Leafs games and playoffs. So I was not able to do my favorite thing in the city, essentially, which is go to Toronto Blue Jays baseball games. Mm-hmm. So I've been to three in a row. And I'm having a good time, you know. I took my mom over the weekend to some games. My brother's in town. We've been going. Went with uh, old Sammy McKee yesterday, who uh, hates Yankees fans, you know. <laughs> Really, truly despises them. You can just see him squirming in his seat as they're cheering for the second Aaron Judge home run. Well, I don't came in from Buffalo. I feel like they just know where Josh Allen is. He showed up, and all of a sudden, there was like tons of Yankees fans in our section from Buffalo. And I'm going, okay, this is all right. You guys got him chipped or what? They migrated <laughs> in. Yeah. Just love him so it's much. Like a flock of birds. He's so important to Buffalo. They just have to just tour around with him and support whatever his endeavors are. But okay, I want to do a couple minutes on the Jays here. And then I obviously have a lot of Leafs thoughts remaining despite three hours of unfiltered gobbledygook. People have been actually very nice telling me yesterday was good. I'll tell you this factually. I have no idea. I, I actually, what did Walter White fake having? Fugue state? <laughs> you know, I had that, but real. Where I showed up naked in the grocery store and I was stumbling around. Oh, Walt, thank goodness you're all. That was me at the end of the show. I stumbled out of here. People said you did a good job. I went, I have I no it was idea. Good. Thanks, Jobo. No problem. Um, but I do have some more concrete, solid thoughts, and especially on yesterday after everybody spoke and on just the ways the winds seem to be a swirling for the local hockey team. But two things from yesterday. I definitely think the Yankees were cheating. <laughs> what else was that? What was that? What is Aaron Judge looking at? His buddies. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> I was looking at the guys talking in the dugout. That was something. We can agree that that was a something. And... That's annoying, too, because they would play it off as complete. They did a thing. And so for Aaron Boone to come out and get ejected over the strike zone when his team was cheating last night, or at the very least stealing signs, or having pitches tipped and relaying them to the batters, for him to throw a little hissy fit was embarrassing for him. Although that was a horrific strike call. Yes. I could see it from the outfield. I went, oh. <laughs> Two things can be true. Yeah. Two things can be true. Now the serious thing from the baseball game. I liked Manoa props yesterday. By the way, Batano, best bets, four in a row again. We're completely back. Yesterday, I'm getting so cocky at throwing parlays together. He nailed that one. <laughs> it's just, it's an outrageous streak. And I, again, it should be national news. <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to get offended that it's not a bigger deal internally and online. That I am this hot with these gambling picks. Top block of the morning show. I'm missing on TV. Let's max go. one to two a week ever, and it's just constant streaks. And so, anyway, I thought Manoa was going to do his Manoa thing, which is hey, he's been struggling, but the Yankees are his oasis. He loves pitching against the New York Yankees, and he's at home, and it's after Mother's Day. I'm thinking, okay, Manoa, this is the time for you to start to regulate a little bit. And, and I'd actually. Didn't even have hopes of complete and utter domination like old Alec Manoa. I just wanted to see the normalcy. Just give me... And, man, he's walking out. He's taking his time like he does. 
He's just a hoss of a man, right? And you're thinking, here we go. This is the guy. He's going to have it. He's going to bring it. And early on in the ball game, he got a little bit of swing and miss. He granted he did give up three runs, but he also got two punch outs in the first inning. And I went, okay. Sometimes Manoa in the past has struggled in the first, and then he settled in for the rest of the ball game, and he's dominated. I thought that was what was going to happen. To describe watching him live, the only thing that I, the only vernacular I could use is laboring. He was laboring out there. It was painful to watch. I don't know what is going on. It seems like he's been really adversely affected by the pitch clock. I think that at this point, he's probably lost a lot of his confidence. It's been well documented that the slider that essentially made him a Cy Young candidate last year has not been able to replicate itself this season. And he was definitely a regression guy because of the velocity on a lot of different fancy stat sites when it came to who you should not be backing for another Cy Young odd. I'm spooked. This is now officially into the scary zone because it it now looks like physically he is looks like he's struggling. The stuff is not there. The velocity is mediocre, and the slider isn't there. And now, like that, when they trotted him back out there for the fifth inning, that didn't that feel desperate? Didn't that just feel okay? Nate Pearson had already been warming up for a full inning. He was ready to go. That was obviously not, hey, we need a little bit more time for Manoa. They put him back out there hoping and praying that something positive was going to happen. And he just threw ball after ball after ball, put two on, and then Pearson actually looked pretty good last night. So that was a little bit of a positive for the Blue Jays is he came in and if you recall, the thing with Pearson early was they did worry about him coming on with runners on. And he actually did well for himself in that position. So good for Nate Pearson. But yeah, man, I Manoa is one of my favorite athletes in the city. I have zero issue with the swagger. But when an athlete starts to really struggle to this degree, when they have this kind of a profile, they wear the six on their back, they're a mountain of a man, and they talk that talk, you have to walk it. Otherwise, it feels like the confidence goes away even quicker. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm concerned. I'm, I'm very, very concerned. And I, I, don't, I genuinely don't know what they do if he has another start like that. They might have to fake IL stint him or something. Because you can't have that. You just cannot throw a guy out there who is just not competitive and can't pitch to the strike zone. Anyways, um, James Myrtle in a second. But I'd finished the show yesterday. And I get home and finally listen to Matthews and Marner. And then I listen to Dubas and then I listen to Keefe. I said I was going to be judgy yesterday, and I will continue to be judgy. So here's the good news. Matthew says he wants to be here. Glad that's cleared up. Didn't say that he would take less to be here like some other greats have done. His contemporaries have done, but whatever. A win is a win here. Matthews does not want out of Toronto, which we thought at least had a slight potential given the nature of all of these exits and how much pressure there is in this market and yeah, not really knowing how he feels about that at times. So he mentions he wants to stay. That's good. And he says the right things where he talks about it's an honor to play here and all that stuff. And you go, okay, good. You kind of get it. <laughs> Seven years later and you, you've you got the idea that 
you need to pander to the people for just a little bit, especially after a loss. But then the rest started to bother me. Then the rest of the interviews started to roll in, and there was one running theme, which I understand. I, I, I understand from the player standpoint, what, what else are they supposed to say? So to a degree, what I'm about to say is definitely unfair. The players aren't going to come out and go, yeah, we want to shake things up. I wouldn't be asking for that, though. Definitely wouldn't ask for them to start throwing each other under the bus and show that it's a toxic thing. And, and clearly, 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 they had a tight group, okay? I don't know actually what it says about former iterations of the Leafs that this has been such a connected storyline for the last couple of months, but the Leafs are a tight-knit group. They get along. Their coach kind of embarrassingly talked about how they had dinner together on the road in the playoffs, and then they celebrated that. And I'm like, okay, was, <laughs> what were they doing before? They weren't together? Okay, fine, fine. But this is a tight group. They like each other. They all, everybody gets along. And they had another really good year. They don't want to be broken up. But they came out sort of one by one and went, I don't want uh, this group to end. I love it here. I don't, the, you know, here's all the Cole's notes of why we should stick together. And at this point, it did. It rubbed me the wrong way because that's the thing I mentioned. These guys have been given opportunity. These guys have been given so many chances to show people that they are something different than what we're saying they are now, which is a flawed core that just does not have that bite. And, and I won't forget that. And I'm not going to lose sight of that as we go into this offseason. What you saw from the Toronto Maple Leafs in the second round was flat out unacceptable for a group like that. The opponent, the home ice stuff, the two goals a game, the lack of push in game three, like giving them adulation and credit for outplaying Florida in game five and losing, even though, again, I don't think that it was that drastic. It, like, what are we doing here? Those guys had a chance to keep it all together. If they loved it so much, they would have shown up in game three and they would have absolutely dominated. They would have come out and played like their core was on the line and they didn't. And this has been one of the problems all along with this Toronto Maple Leafs team. Entitlement. Getting everything too early and never feeling like there's going to be any consequences. That is the country club atmosphere. And that's what bothered me yesterday is it started to feel like there's going to be less change than maybe we initially anticipated. Seems like the Leafs and Dubas are already negotiating. Dubas made it pretty clear that he's not going anywhere else. And yes, I'm sure the year was tough for him. It's hard for me to be overly sympathetic for a guy who was in his early 30s who became the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, like one of the greatest dream jobs on planet Earth. Like, yeah, it should be stressful. I'm sorry, but trying to win here should come with some stress. So I I didn't really shed any tears. I thought, yeah, man, hard job, okay? That's where you get paid millions of dollars and that you get to be a super famous person with one of the coolest jobs on planet Earth. That's one of the things that might come with the, the trade is a little bit of stress. And so for everyone to sort of kind of go up there yesterday and treat themselves as though they were sympathetic figures, it rubbed me a bit of the wrong way. You had your chances. You've had your opportunity. There were a million different runs where you could have shown people that these were not your true colors. And ultimately, this is it. The, the lack of fear that something might change, the culture of entitlement, something there needs to be cracked because rolling this sucker back, you're going to get the same results over and over again. James Myrtle, senior managing editor at The Athletic, joins me now. Good morning, sir. Sorry, I was a little, a little fired up. 
little fired yeah, up. Yeah, you seem fired up. Yeah. I was annoyed I yesterday. Te- I was a little annoyed. Yeah. I, I, well, was... I got a text from you. I could tell. Your text said, everybody's coming back. Nightmare. And that was at one thirty. And I said, well, did Dewis talk yet? And you said, no. First of and all. Said, well, how first, do you know everyone's coming back first already? Of all, like, first of all, those are the private. You are. I'm oh. going to sue you for that. How dare you come on here and just <laughs> air out my private text no, messages it was, it, in my angsty just... ways? Yeah, well, I was I was I was getting like the dry run for your monologue this morning, yeah. basically, and on yeah. text. I do practice them on people <laughs> through text messages, uh, so that, uh, it truly is a way to do it. No, okay, this is where I'm at today. This is my general feel. You tell me how far you think I'm on. I, I think that I think Dubis is coming back because what is the other option? It looks as though Brandon Pridham could be poached by the Calgary Flames. I, I haven't heard a single other name in the mix for this job. Maybe you have, but seems like it would have to be pretty scrambly to get that done. The it, other one is the, the one is Brad Tree Living is the name. Yeah, that's, that's there. yeah. I've heard that one too, and I yeah. It's, I think the thing you do, JD, is yeah. if if it doesn't work out and you can't get Dubis on an extension, I think you. I mean, what I would do is I would give the job to Pridham. I mean, I, I don't know what the, I don't know what your appetite for that is. I mean, it, he's part of the same regime and everything. So, if you have issues with with Dubis's tenure, then you probably have issues with Pridham's tenure. But that's what I would look to do. Here's the thing: I I do believe that Dubis is the right guy for this job. I think mm-hmm. that he's grown on the job, and ultimately, you'd love to be able to keep him and Pridham. It doesn't feel realistic, and what I don't know is. How it's always seemed like Pridham is extremely valuable. And I will say that anybody that's ever worked with him or knows the guy seems to just have just extremely glowing reviews. And I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that he's actually the more valuable of the two in the front office. The problem I have with it is the Leafs just had a general manager learn on the job. And it cost them in some spots. And do I think Kyle Dubas is a way better GM now than he was when he first came in? Absolutely, I do. But... I, I wonder what the consequences of that might be with Brandon Pridham. Even though he has been around, it's different to be the guy all of a sudden who's picking up the phone and making all the trade calls. Maybe, but I'd rather someone who's good but but in his first GM job than someone who's a retread who we we have a track record Completely and we agree. know. So, I, you know, the, the timeline here is really tight. Like, I don't know that there's going to be – like, who's an established GM that you like? I mean, I look at who no, Pittsburgh's no interviewing – I look at who Pittsburgh's interviewing for their position. It's like, boy, like I would not, I would not be interested in most of those names. You know, the the other person who I think would be really good is Eric Tulski out of Carolina, the assistant mm-hmm. GM there. I yeah. mean, he's he's basically assistant GM in name only because the owner, you know, he's directly involved there with how they make a lot of their personnel moves. He's very much in the Dubis kind of new school mode. But again, if you're nervous about getting a first time GM, then then I get it. But there's not very many people that are smarter certainly you know in in an objective sense than Tulski I mean the guy went to Harvard and has a PhD from Berkeley and like you know it's really that's the way that it's gone in other sports where you get these really really smart people from other industries coming in and I think that that's going to be the way of the future in hockey is certainly as the the data and all that stuff gets more complicated here yeah I think that's a pretty fair assessment of it um but you're right a lot of the reason that I think Kyle Dubas should be back is that I, I just haven't been presented with better options. But to be honest, yeah, something like that would pique my interest and would intrigue me. I just, I do wonder about the culture stuff and, and 
how that is going to go from this Dubas regime into the next one, right? Is I don't like, I know, I know this is just pro sports and I saw it a lot with the Sixers and I've seen it a lot with some other exits, but Toronto's was just a lot of excuses. And I, I did find it strange that even their head coach is up there at the podium yesterday talking about Bobrovsky getting hot at the right time and how good the Florida Panthers are. And that was sort of a message that was pervasive within the group and just how all of them talked about wanting to be back. And I went, well, why wouldn't you want to be back? Why wouldn't you want to be back? What are they going to say, JD? They're not going to get up there. They're all under contract. They're going to get up there and be like, yeah, I'm done. No, they're not going to say they're done. I don't care. No, they're not going to say they're done, James. That's clearly not it. Of course, I want them to all say that they love it here, as they should. I guess the thing that rubbed me the wrong way is that they basically were still doing the we had our looks right? Like Marner was still doing yeah. that. We had our looks yeah. and you're going, are you guys seriously doing this after another well, disappointing guy that got up there and Best said, one. I need, I should have been better. Yes. Right. And he, there's a guy who's been, who's played whatever 20 games as a leaf and just probably doesn't seem like he's going to be coming back. And he was like, you know, I needed to be better and I yeah. wasn't good enough. I mean, that, that's what, that's what the players should have got up there and said is that we should have been better. Like you don't lose. Exactly. You don't lose in five games to Florida. I mean, game three was pathetic. You know, we can talk about how they were really good in game four. They were pretty good in game five, but it's too yeah. late by then. Yeah, of course. It's too, you can't go into game two and blow blow a lead in game two, no show in game three. The series is over. Mm-hmm. Your, your margin for error is nothing at that point. And, and that's what rubbed me the wrong way is, again, year seven, and you're still doing we got our opportunities and their goalie got hot. Just yeah. own it. That's I, I made a plea at the end of my show yesterday saying, hey, just own it and know that you like what you did was not good enough. And it still doesn't feel like that message has completely sunk through or that it isn't there organizationally. And that's what I fear about the run it back thing here is you go, okay, so now uh, this is a really bad analogy because I don't think you're supposed to do this anymore. But, you know, you know, when you're a kid and you realize, you know, your parents can't hit you anymore, but... You know, it's like you figure that out and you have that little moment in time or you figure out what like, what is it? Child services. You go, I'll call child services. on your You start using that move. That feels like where they're at right now is that they know yeah. that their parents can't hit them. I remember that happening in the 80s, to be honest with you. I know, because so, I definitely you, got you, hit. <laughs> you, you, had a, you had a different experience. No, than I, I did, know. But, yeah, but then later you just realized you went, okay, this is not good form. You can't hit anymore. No more hitting. And so when you own that power dynamic, that's how it feels is... And that's what's weird about this is that something clearly needs to change here, okay? And I actually do think that it should be something drastic. But you're already looking at the way the winds are blowing, and it seems as though they're trying to line up a contract extension with the general manager. They're at least having discussions. And if he does come back, it's going to be for more money and with more power. And Matthews is talking about how he wants to come back. But he's not, he's saying, he's not saying, but at the expense of something for me, he's going, yeah, I would love to be the highest paid player again on another five-year contract. And the whole city's like, yes, woo, yeah, baby, yeah, we'll give you all the money. Yeah. And Marner's well, like, what's yeah. What's the alternative though, JD? Nope. I mean, like with, well, with Matthews, I mean, like he's got the, he's got the hammer. I mean, I know. yeah. I mean, he does have the hammer because uh, there's a couple of reasons, again, that I'm talking about today. I think that this is where I'm at with it. I think you've got to extend Matthews because that's just the way the game is. You've got to pay him. There's just no realistic option here. You're not trading Austin Matthews in the next month. But Look uh, but, at their center depth, even yeah. with him. No, I know. Like, if, if you're moving to – I've been working on the roster. I'm probably going to write something tomorrow about their cap situation and their roster. If you move Tavares to the wing – who are their centers? Well, especially since Camp is going to cost more money to come back. He's not. Chuck- gonna, he's, I don't think he's going to be back. Yeah. I don't think. I don't think any of those guys are going to be back. You don't think they'll sign any of them? 
I think Camp wants $3 million. Yeah. You want to pay him $3 million? No, look but he the, deserves look it. Look at the UFA class around the league. It is bad. terrible. It is terrible. Is Pontus Holmberg the second-line center? Achari, I know everyone's in love with Achari, but, yeah. like, I was looking at it. Like, he had seven shots on goal in two rounds. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a single assist. I like Achari, but I don't like him at, like, two, two and a half million or whatever he's going to get in the open market because mm-hmm. he's not worth that. I don't know what they do. I don't know what they do down the middle because it's pretty clear that if they're going to have some iteration of a competitive run it back, which they are because yeah, the only other option was to go completely nuclear, which I think only would have happened had Matthews flat out said, I don't want to be here and you've got a month to trade me before I pick where you get to trade me. And that would have been the only way for an actual teardown. But yeah, you're going to, you're going to run this back competitively, but it is an issue with Tavares. The fact that he, he clearly should not be playing a full season uh, down the middle. And he looked pretty decent when they bumped him out to the wing for that little stretch when Ryan O'Reilly first came to the Leafs. But you're right. You're not getting enough value on Tavares as a winger. And it is much easier and cheaper to find wingers. They're, they've got a lot of really, really tough roster questions and really, really tough ways of filling this roster, especially given there's not a ton of depth um, that's just available to them in the AHL. Again, it's, it's Pontus Holmberg is the center that we're talking about that could come up and fill some minutes. It's moving Sam Lafferty, I guess, to the middle. I, I don't know what the, yeah, what the options are for some of the depth. But doesn't it feel like to you that, that that's where this team is at, is that Dubas returns, Matthews returns, and that the really big question comes down to who of Nylander and Marner is going to be moved because there will be serious conversations about at least one of those two guys. The most dramatic change possible I think in this situation is you get a new coach who's potentially much different in whether you want that to be tactically or experience or demeanor or whatever I mean maybe it's maybe you're not getting in the players coach this time or something like that and I'm talking about the most dramatic Mm -hmm. would be trading Nylander and Marner yeah and you'd have to do it by July 1 so I didn't um, know Marner had a no move as well. It was like these guys literally got, got everything. He's got two years. You know, you know, Matthews only got it for the last year. But when the thing Marner coming in and doing the negotiation after, he wanted no move for the same years as as Matthews. So it's the timeline's really tight here, and that's the yeah. other thing. If you're bringing someone in from outside, it's uh, the, my concern would be there's going to be a big mistake made because it's it's the learning curve is going to be so steep. You're going to have to trade core pieces in a really difficult environment in like four weeks. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's hard. That's why I think Dubas coming back is the best option. And all of a sudden, weirdly, we always knew you and I had had many discussions about how he would be coveted around the, the league. Right. And that there, there could be a scenario here where the Leafs do extremely well and he hits free agency and someone does offer him the, the money, the power, the prestige gives him everything, right? Or that the Leafs end up having to give him so much, so much more. And, and that's the thing I find almost weird about this is I, I feel as though I'm surprised at the degree of leverage Dubas has, that he showed up in the spot that was all or nothing and the th- it was supposed to be the threat of he's not getting a contract extension. Hey, you've got to make sure that the group does something this year to justify you keeping your job. And they did win a round, but again, they won five games. They won one game at home. They scored two goals in six straight. It just, it was not, it, it was not a good run. It, it, this was not a good finish. And it's really hard to spin it any other way. 
And yet it feels as though, yeah, he's holding all of the cards at this point because, yeah, they're just not in a position to bring somebody else in, as you mentioned. Like, I, I don't know even know how that works. Here's a month before you could trade Mitch Marner and the rest well, of the league knows it. Good luck. You know what it is, Jay? I mean, they should have given Dubas an extension last summer. Like, I don't, Yeah, if they were going to keep well, him, they should have just done that. Yeah. I yeah. mean, well, you because you could have given him two years or something. And mm-hmm. you didn't like now I think they're going to have to make a commitment. Yeah. You know, they're going to have it's going to have to be four or five years. And, and the other thing that seems to be happening with ownership here is like they don't, they were on the hook for three and a half or whatever. 3.75 years of Babcock, they, mm-hmm. they seem really gun-shy about, about doing that again. So, you know, part of the, the issue here might be the negotiation and, like, what mm. what the board is willing to give up and what Dubas wants. And I don't know. It's going to be really interesting. It'd be really interesting if he walks away and doesn't, you know, doesn't go anywhere else. I mean, that that wasn't something that was on the table before yesterday. Yeah. For any For anyone. Yeah. Again, though, I did wonder how much of that is just negotiating through the media, right? No, I don't think so. I mean, I don't, I don't think you use your family's well-being as a negotiating ploy in a public setting. Like that's just you don't not, watch Succession. Everything that we know about Kyle Dubas, that that doesn't. I mean, it would be a, a better negotiating tactic to say, "I'm going to go to a, one of your competitors in the Eastern Conference and eat your lunch and like they're going to give me and use whatever offer you can get from another team against the Leafs. I mean, saying that you're not going to go anywhere else, that hurts your leverage. All I know is that being willing to walk away from the job is like you have to be able to do that in a negotiation. And so, yeah, it, it just it's at least a part of it. And yes, I don't know about what he's actually doing, but you have to be able to have that that chip to play if you're going to get your max term, dollar, control, whatever, that, okay, fine, if it's not me, then I'm willing to tell you that I, I don't need this job. I don't need to be here. If that's not communicated to management, I don't care what you do, you're never going to get what you want because they're always going to know that you need the job more than they need you. And so that's all. That's all I'll say on it. But that actually did bring me to, are we sure he's going to fire his coach? Like if he gets to stay and we're, and we're looking at this and saying he has a ton of leverage, he's going to get more power, he's going to get more money, who's to say that he actually, and especially if he's considering changing one of the core guys, how certain are we that he is going to fire his coach? He said it's on the table, but I don't know. It didn't feel like a certainty yesterday. Well, I mean, again, I don't think they're going to say that in the press. I, I feel like Sheldon Keefe is gone. I mean, I, if he had wanted me to handicap it, I'd say there's a 10% chance he's back. So I do like that. I love handicapping fake numbers on the show like that. Thank you. That was amazing. That was the well, best. It's not fake. It's yeah. my perspective yeah. on what's going to happen here. I mean, I feel like this would all be part of the negotiation. I think this would be talked about. I mean, if you're the board and you're committing to do this for whatever, let's say four more years, you're saying, what's the plan? You know, and do we like the plan that you've come up with? Mm-hmm. You know? What's the plan for the coach? What's the plan for the roster? Where? How do you see? You know, Dubas to me sounded like someone who was had realized that there had been mistakes made in terms of committing to some of the wrong pieces, and that he is ready to to move off of some of that. So, if you're the board, you're probably encouraged by that, right? That there's been, frankly, there's been too much loyalty. You know, and I think Dubas has been let down by the roster and some of the stuff you were talking about off the top with the the attitude and, and, and everything. Like, it, it's time for a change. Mm-hmm. Time for a change in, in the group of players. And you hope you can bring in a Matthew Kachuk kind of catalyst who who changes some of the mix. 
I don't know who that is, but you're hoping you can bring in, you can make a star piece for another star piece, and it changes the complexion of this team and how it plays when it matters. Man, I couldn't help but think about that yesterday. I know Kachuk won it out of Canada, but all I could think was, uh, was it Canada or was it Calgary? You know, like, was it? Well, his list was like, yeah, like, it was like, we had uh, Perry LeBron had a story yesterday about Carolina. Like it, it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was St. Louis or warm weather. (laughs) I think was his list. I just, I I couldn't help but think, huh, I wonder what would have happened there if he would have been able to approach and ask him and go. Well, I started to look. I've started to look at the list of like you look at star players around the league yeah. and like who might potentially be available. Like uh, who's even on that? I know. Like there's not like are you interested in anyone from Winnipeg? Like Winnipeg seems like they're detonating things. Mm-hmm. Calgary might pull some things apart, but there's I don't think there's another Kachuk available. No. Well, there's... so if you're trading a star, how are you getting one back? Well, I'll be honest here. I I know that this is going to piss people off everywhere, but you and I talked about the roster and just how many holes there are right now, right? And what you'd really love to be able to do, but you can't do it, is move Tavares because that would be the e- that's obviously your worst allocation of money right now. They're just most out of whack with what the commensurate value would actually be. But you don't have that option. And this is why I think the Marner trade sort of does need to happen is one from just the breaking up of the culture that we've talked about here is he talk, he goes on about, you know, how he's from here and he always want to play here and it's his only dream. Okay, too bad. You had your chances. Goodbye. And he's also the number one has not performed in the playoff guy out of the entire core four. That's just a fact. He has not done it when the chips have been down and he has never really looked like the same guy that we saw in the regular season year after year. We've seen flashes of it. We've seen games of it. Um, he was brilliant in the comeback against Tampa. Uh, I think that he really drove play. He set up, I think he was the primary assist on all those Matthews goals during the comeback. But ultimately, it just it, we've seen a pretty good sample now of over 50 games where regular season Mitch Marner is probably the farthest departure when it comes to playoff Mitch Marner out of the core guys. But just in terms of being able to allocate the salary, you need to fill out this roster. Like These are the guys that are gone. Kerfoot, O'Reilly, Camp, Achari, uh, Bunting, like Zach Aston Reese, you Shen, know, Hall. Shen yeah. Hall, you know, you've yeah. got to, you've got to try to get the Matt Murray money off the books. You've got to pay Ilya Samson off a bit more. This is not an easy off season in terms of no. trying to build a roster around they have a ton of cap space too, JD, which is really interesting. Like even before you, let, let's say you're talking about moving a Marner or a Nylander, even before that, you got like 20 million in space to work with. If you can move off of Matt Murray, which I think they're going to be able to do. Mm find someone else to buy him out. But you've got, so you've got, you've got a huge chasm of uh, at center where you don't know who's going to be playing for you. You probably want to upgrade on D. You got to get Sam to upgrade on D. That was one of the stories of the series. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. So are you looking at like an Orlov or something like that in free agency? I mean, he's going to cost a lot and he's, he's 32 years old, Yeah, but he is an upgrade. You know, he had more than a point a game for, for Boston in that first-round series against Florida. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you need an upgrade on D. You need to figure out what you're doing at center. You've got tons of cap space in probably the worst free agent market in NHL history. There's there's going to be a lot that has to happen. I mean, I wonder if you trade even more than – do you trade someone off your, off your blue line? Do you – there's a lot of things that could be in play here. Uh, I, that's what I was – kind of wondering 
yesterday as I was filling my countless hours of would they actually look at trying to move somebody like, yeah, that is cheap, but who might be able to bring something back uh, of, of actual value? Because like McCabe's contract is so valuable now. The fact that he's $2 million a season, it's hard to think about moving a guy like that. But him or Lilligren, I, I can't say is completely off the table at this point, right? And I guess Duba said as much when he said nothing would be off the table if he does come back. But yeah, this just it's just not easy trying to figure out what this roster looks like. And yeah, part of me goes, people will think that the Marner Nylander thing that you outlined is just punishment. And I, and I do think that, yeah, it's not about that. It's about trying to give your team a different look and trying to instill something uh, with a new group. But yeah, part of it just might have to come because this is necessity. I, I, I don't know how you can build a really competitive team around these guys in a functional way that isn't going to hurt you as the next negotiations come up, right? Because that's the thing. They still do have to pay. That cap space is going to go away pretty quickly when Matthews wants to raise, when Nylander wants to raise, and when Marner wants to raise. So the functionality of it to me just seems pretty clear where you might end up taking a trade that everybody hates but might end up being better for you, which is something that was always on the table with when, if you were going to trade Mitch Marner or Nylander. You weren't going to get a more talented player back. That's just, yeah. that's not the reality. It might be F a two for one or something, that's it. right? Like, that's I mean, it. yeah. You, you yeah. need to turn those two guys. I shouldn't say you need to because I think that's how stupid trades get done. But I think the most realistic outcome is that you get two really good players for one highly skilled player or some other things that are around it. And, and that you're looking at this as more of a reshaping of your team rather than your, you know what? Remember with the first Marner discussions, it was, hey, Marner maybe for Eichel, right? I don't mm-hmm. think you're getting a trade like that. I, I think you're getting something that's, yeah, a bit different and that for some people is going to be completely untenable because you're going to be 100% giving up the most talented player in the deal. I, I just don't see any way that that's not going to be the case. The, the the one name that came up for me looking over who's going to be available, mm-hmm. and I don't know, I'm just going to throw this at you. This is not like I've heard anything. Like uh, Someone like Shifley in Winnipeg who needs a change, like, and he's a local guy, mm-hmm. plays center, you know. I wonder, and he's got a, he's a, got a contract that's a bargain for two more years. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, that's probably what you're looking at is a player that is good, but not as good as what you've got as part of some kind of a package. Yeah. Good season for Shifley, but kind of a outlier season for him statistically, yeah. right? With the goals. I don't think that you're yeah. getting a 40 goal scorer. So trying to sell it like that is almost, did Jason Blake have 40 when the Leafs signed him? Was that what it was? It was 40, right? I believe so. Yeah. yeah. Cause remember yeah. when people were like the Leafs just signed a 40 goal scorer and you were like, yes, but it, he wasn't. <laughs> That's Mark it was Shifley. A shooting percentage bender. I, yeah. I, I haven't looked too closely at Shifley, but it's probably the same. Similar. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's something like that. He's like a 30 goal guy. Right, and he's a little bit punching. He, but he, yeah, he is thirty years old. He does have a little bit of that bite, that nastiness. But what I would say is, his groups were also so. It, yeah. It's weird with the change of scenery, the ideas. Because Bourne brought this up to me too. Is we were joking about how all the Canadian teams that have been disappointing just get in a room together and go, "Hey, let's just do a <laughs> disappointing guy swap. You give us your guy." But part of me goes, "Well, isn't some of this at least that you were playing in a Canadian market that their pressure and the tension really got to you, and the way that the Winnipeg season ended has to yeah. be a huge red flag for well, anybody involved." Yeah. There's issues in the dressing room there and That's stuff what I mean. too, right? So there's I mean, like, like multiple yeah, mutinies from players there. 
Well, you've had multiple coaches. Like Maurice was just like, nah, I'm done. And then, you know, you listen yeah. to the bonuses exit, and it's like, well, it seems like he's done too. And so. then Wheeler cried about it. He was, I wish we should have kept it in the room. Boo-hoo. I was going, oh, man, well, this would, is. Yeah, I wouldn't trade for Wheeler. Oh, yeah. God, no. Uh, that is an immediate absolutely not. Um, but, yeah, you're right. Shifley, there's something to it. It's just, man, it's hard to envision a trade of Marner. I'm open to other names. Like, if you want, like, if you no. see names, like, like I said, I'm, that's, I'm not saying that I, I don't want people to radio me and take that and say, I'm no. saying that's what's going to happen. I'm just saying that that's the kind of player that's going to be available. Here's the thing. We have the guy in the room right now who does the radioing, Jobo. He's the guy who cuts the clips for the show. Jobo. <laughs> turn don't on. use that one. Joe. <laughs> yes. Use that clip. <laughs> <laughs> I already say, wrote it down. What about Mark Shifley? I already Boom, wrote it down. Right? No, it's fine. James Riddle, Shifley to Toronto. No, yeah, obviously everybody knows who you But you're right. I don't know what's out there. My, I guess your hope is if you're making one of these moves is that you're basically signaling to the whole league, hey, we've got everything on the table. Obviously the vultures are going to try to come pick at what you have and try to offer you five cents on the dollar. But that eventually you end up generating a, enough interest amongst a couple of teams where they go, man, Mitch Marner's pretty good. William Nylander's pretty good. We're not going to let this opportunity pass us by. We're going to get on the mix for one of these two players, believe that there could be a better change of scenery. The, the sell for another team on Marner is all of the weight of him being from here and wearing this sweater and the contract negotiations, the expectations, all of this has led to what you see in the postseason and that what you could end up be getting is genuinely a top 10 player in the NHL who yeah. still has some term on his contract and with a fresh start might actually realize all of that potential in the game's most important time. And well, so picture, that, that's a pretty a attractive that, pitch. Yeah. I mean, picture being a team where you just, you can't generate offense yeah. and you don't have a high pick and you do like, what's your road up? You know, like you're going to be, there's going to be GMs looking for a lifeline. There's nothing available in free agency. Mm-hmm. I mean, that helps the Leafs in this situation. I mean, you, you're holding two really good offensive cards when you know, people are going to look at July 1 and be like, what's like, you know, there was a report that Michael Bunting might be the best free agent available. Yeah, I, I mean, so you've got things of value. You're right. I mean, I think you just, you put the signal out to the league, the bad signal, and you say like, what are you willing to do here? It's a best offer situation to me. Yeah. Who yeah. can put together the best offer, but that you're probably going to have to make the move on the best offer, unless it's something that's just insane where you're not getting anything back, but it's impossible for me to believe that you put players of that caliber out in the open market any year where free agency is bad, any year where there aren't a lot of trade candidates and teams don't bring you anything. But you're right. In in my eyes, this is... Ugh, I hate throwing out names because it seems like you're doing the one-for-one one stuff, but no, they're going to need to bring in yes. a, a different ilk of player. They're going to need to bring in somebody who, when the puck goes into the opponent's zone, will put a body on somebody. Someone who has some of the traits that they tried to graft onto this core when they went out and got Ryan O'Reilly, right? And and that's the thing that stands out so much with Ryan O'Reilly when you watch him. When you watch him win battles and you watch the way that he comports himself with the media and the way that he talks and the respect that he carries, what you need is winners. And it's something that they outlined years ago when they talked about killer instinct. It's just become clear to me that trying to graft winners on or trying to, yeah, do it to the core, it, it just doesn't work. You need it to be at the very, very top of your team. They need to set the identity of the group. They've always been dying for one of them to basically take the step, take the reins, and grab it all. And it doesn't seem like any... It doesn't seem like those three guys in particular are going to do it, the three young guys. That there isn't one guy that seems to be 
I will take the reins on this. I will be the face of this. And that, well, yeah. Tavares isn't, can't do it either, no, right? No, no, I, mean, I don't like, even count him anymore because, first yeah. of all, when he came in here, even when he got the captaincy, people were going, really? All right, yes. okay, I guess so. Uh, lead by example, right? Lead by example. Tough to lead by example when you might get knocked off your own position and be an $11 million winger, right? Just, mm, I don't know. I don't even count him in the group anymore. It's just like he's a different entity in terms of what the core four, quote-unquote, is. When we're looking at the past and the failure of it, he's a part of it. But projecting forward to the future, the fact that he's got the no move, that he's not going to be willing to move it, and that he makes 11 million bucks and is declining year over year, just it is what it is, right? It's just like what's the conversation you're supposed to have on him other than move him to the wing? No, fair enough. I mean... I think what you need, you need a Ryan O'Reilly from four years ago, the yeah, guy that time. went into the playoffs with St. Louis and carried them to a Stanley Cup. I mean, someone who, someone who's in your core for, yeah. right? That's what you're looking for. That's it. So I just don't, I'm not sure. I don't know if it's available or not, but I don't that's think what you're is. looking for. But I think that what? part of it though, too, is that by moving off of some of those guys, by moving off of Marner and having Matthews not have everything, right? Because it's clear he wants the money. He wants the short term. He wants the no move clause. He wants to stay in Toronto um, and he wants to play with Mitch Marner and he wanted a different coach. He wanted, you know, he's been given a lot and that's fine because he's one of the game's great players, but ultimately there's got to be some type of a give back. That's more than you saying Toronto. It's an honor to play here. If it's an honor to play here, take a million less or something, you know, add an extra year onto your contract, something. And yeah, him not having Mitch Marner just always there. Those two guys do not, they, they're good together in the regular season. They have their moments together, obviously, because they're extremely talented. But in terms of just their level of individual talent and the chemistry that the two of them have, how many times in that series when those two guys were playing together against, again, the crappy defensive Florida Panthers, did you really feel their presence and go, holy no, crap. I they wouldn't have played them together against exactly. Florida. I don't, think it, I don't think it made any No. Exactly. No. It's, <laughs> it's just time for them to not be together. And I think that if they're on the same roster, there's always going to be those two guys pushing to get back together. And to me, you just one of them's got to be in a different city. Well, I mean, it's part of what the, the you, why you make the coaching change too, right? You get someone in there with fresh eyes, and that's not, you know, that's that's going to deviate from that. I mean, you, you're right. I mean, those guys, those guys like each other. They want to play with each other, you know. But I almost wonder with Matthews if you you get someone who's real hard nosed to play with them, or someone who's just got mm-hmm. a very different style of play, and that's the kind of line you try and build around him. They, they honestly, one of the mistakes they really made was and and I know everyone looked at the contract and thought oh so bad you could never do that but if they were ever going to like shake up the core right and they were going to make this this is the weird timeline one because I do say that it was tough to after Montreal they didn't want to overreact it was kind of the doubling down but the guy that they really miss with Matthews the guy that they miss for their lineup is Zach Hyman yeah well, and he would have signed for less here too I don't yeah. know how much less but it wouldn't have been a 5.5 cap hit here I know so. It just looking back on the the mistakes, that one doesn't get brought up enough because he ends up getting, what was it, seven years in Edmonton? Yeah. And he was coming off of another injury, and people went, and well, I said... he was hurt this playoffs yeah. too, J.D. I mean, yeah. that's the only does thing with Hyman is that, like, his knees are... I, I don't know... Yeah, what the medicals he's were a, on them. He's an, he's an amazing player. He had an unbelievable season, but I don't know if his body's going to hold up, so... Yeah. Okay, so... Uh, like kind of just to close this loop on these guys, we've already, you and I discussed, it doesn't really seem plausible that Michael Bunting is back. But with that money in this free agent class, has any of your position on that shifted given, yeah, just 
new coach potentially clearly didn't get along with the one here local guy who might take less career season yes loaded free agent class but like would you rather they didn't even him? negotiate with them though jd like yeah, there right. weren't even there were zero conversations so that, i'm just trying to figure out which I've of these guys has a shot done. you know yeah well, what would you pay Bunting? I mean, like for me, he's a guy that if you know if he costs you three million, then okay. But yeah. I feel like on the open market, he's it's something that starts with a four, and it's got mm-hmm. he's not even young, right? Like it's going to have a lot of term. What like what's what's Bunting giving you in five years at four million? You know, like um, they're going to have to find some more Buntings. They're going to have to find yeah. some hidden gems, and they're going to have to try and find one at center, which is even tougher. Mm. So. And that's that's part of why, you know, it's another reason why you think you potentially want Dubas back is he's been able to find some of those guys. Yeah, he has. He also gave Kelly Yarncrook four years. <laughs> probably... Well, I mean, when we're talking about trading people, I mean, I wonder if Yarncrook's wants someone you look at. I mean, you I mentioned McCabe. I mean, maybe you think about trading a Brody. He didn't have a very good postseason. No, I, mean, I don't know. Like, I, I just... I think there's a lot of different things that could be on the table here in terms of reshaping the roster. I think I think teams going to look a lot different. Yeah. I mean, they're probably going to have like eight or nine players that are different next year. Yeah, but that's the thing, I guess, to close it out is they've tried eight or nine different players around the same four players, and yeah. they get the same result. So my advice to them would be make sure you don't end up with the exact same four players. And then I don't just think the they will. Graphs. Do you think they will? Do you think they're going to bring the four back? No, I, I don't. I, I don't. don't but my worry is is that Nylander is the guy that the only guy that gets moved. And and to me, that's kind of uh, yeah. I just a lateral position, especially given that Nylander. Ha- okay, it's weird with Nylander because he's been guilty as any of these guys. He didn't produce as much, and uh, he's almost like the guy you. You don't want to criticize as much because he was so overly criticized early that it it just resonates in a different way. But it wasn't like he was brilliant and he was bad in the first two games of the series. He was horrible in the first two games of the series. And then he showed up and he had a really good third and then, you know, the second game. He never really did the same into the third, but he was the best out of four bad players. I'm not like heartbroken about the idea of moving Nylander. I just don't know what one guy like that particular guy does, especially if it does mean, all right, if you're keeping Marner this off season, it likely means you're in the same spot as you are with Matthews right now, where you end up having to extend him the following year to another big money deal. I just, I, I don't, to me, the situation is pretty clear that Marner is the big piece that you have to move. And that's the big shakeup you need to make. And, and I, I, I keep trying to tell myself otherwise, but I keep coming back to that exact thing is that that's the cultural shift move here. That's the guy who's from here. That's the, that that's the, that changes everything to me, and that probably nets you back the most in return because of the yes. contract. And so, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. I think he gets you more. Yeah, you know, exactly. The, part of the problem with Nylander that other teams have pointed out to me for the last couple of years, when this has ever come up, is that it just doesn't feel like his value around the league is. I, Marner w- would be viewed differently by other mm-hmm. teams, in my opinion. You would hope They'd so. Be willing to give up more. James, we got to run. It was great. Um, hopefully I'm talking to you soon about the changes that happen. All right. Uh, James Myrtle, senior managing editor at the athletic. Um, we'll see him later. All right. Quick break. And yeah, three in a row, best bets. Another one parlay yesterday. Uh, Botano best bet next. And then podcast only today, LeBron Jokic. Sexy. Everything you need to know about the Blue Jays. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
All right, best bets brought to you by Botano Sportsbook, the 2022 Global Sports Betting Operator of the Year. A million different options, early payouts, the only book that I use now. Uh, there's a ton of options on this basketball game tonight, which it's going to involve. My best bet is going to be here today. But yes, congratulations to those of you that are riders who have been with me, who've been at my side, tailing these best bets that have just continued to win. Like yesterday, parlay plus money. It's a heat check. It's fine. Not even, I'm not even afraid to talk about it because it's just so undeniable. I was going to say, it's fine, not a big deal. I'm, so, I, I, I'm not even sad anymore when I miss them because I go, that's just essentially the tax for being on mm. just winners, winners, winners. Yeah. Anyways, I always tell you, at JD Bunkus, hit me up if you're interested in joining Botano. So a couple things. One, how much time we got? Minute 30, Josh, here before we go to podcast? Okay, there we go. We got time. All right. So two things. This is not my best bet, but tonight is the NBA draft lottery. And I always say this is for psychos. You don't bet this, right? Like, why do you, why would you bet? The whole reason that you bet on sports instead of just playing the lottery or other things is that you feel as though you have some measure of control that you can predict it, that you, the astute observer of the games, mm. might have some insight into where the game is going to be headed. But... The NHL draft lottery sure seemed rigged. <laughs> <laughs> sure uh, seemed uh, fishy. And the NBA has a history, uh, allegedly. I know. Of, you know? You so, got it. You got it. All I got to say is that the Charlotte Hornets, MJ wants to sell them. And the Charlotte Hornets have had essentially nothing happen to them ever. Good. So. Lamella Ball. Yeah. Mm, is that that good? I don't know. It's we'll not, see. Not bad. All I'm saying is it's plus 650 on Botano for the Charlotte Hornets to win the NBA draft lottery tonight. And yeah, Michael Jordan, the game's greatest player ever is selling his team and probably would like to add that piece and make that actually a valuable franchise. Just saying, just saying. Anyways, my Botano best bet is over one and a half threes for Austin Reeves. He fires a lot of them. I don't usually love role players on the road, but he's a little bit more than role player right he now. Is, yeah. And the guy is shooting it. He's shooting it a lot. LeBron trusts him. And he's gone over that number in three straight games. So that's where I'm at with that one. That is your best bet brought to you by Botano Sportsbook. The game starts now. Head over to the podcast-only section where we'll keep this sucker going. Five. Breaking down the top stories in hockey and Elliot Friedman every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, podcast-only portion of the show. Thank you to those of you that subscribe. Thanks to you that review. You are the true heroes. Agreed. All right. So I'm, I'm really tired. <laughs> I've been just going. And you did three hours of radio yesterday. No, it's not even that. It's like my brother and mom being in town and just doing things. Like, so last Thursday, I went to Blink-182. Mm-hmm. Rocked out. That show is the best. Did you go on Thursday? Oh, yeah. You were there? Oh, yeah. Wow. Didn't text me. Although wow. classic, classic no social media Simon. Yeah. I know. The caveman. This Dude, you think... <laughs> Sometimes I hate you <laughs> because you think you're like better than people. No, no, yeah, no, you no, do. No, no, you no. do. You're like, my no, dad's no, a professor no, no. and I watched WMBA. <laughs> did you even go to that? I didn't. I didn't. Wow. I know, I know, you I betrayed. Know, I know. Oh my God. I know. Yo. Betrayed. Simon, don't you 
ever <laughs> talk about WNBA again to me. To get no, the Thursday I, off, I had to work the Saturday. This guy, ultimate fraud. Oh, come on. <laughs> ultimate fraud. See, you think you're better than people. You think you're, you know what? That's classic. That's just classic, <laughs> classic. Just saying to the world, like, I support the WNBA. <laughs> and then it's Doesn't like, oh, go. did you go? And you're like, nah. <laughs> Every time Simon texts in the Twitter group chat, I'm like, oh, my goodness. He's yeah. alive. <laughs> exactly. So Simon goes to the rock show. That was a phenomenal was show. Okay. So this is a perfect question for you, though, is um, I, I needed to find out what time the show started because I did not want to sit in the stadium for hours ahead of it and right. drink $15 beers. Yeah especially on a work night. And yeah, my brother had just gotten into town. I was there going with my friend and there's nothing worse than being at a, like, I don't generally go to stadium shows in general like that, mm-hmm. like arena shows. Sorry. I like being outdoor venues or spots that are actual concert halls yeah. that are designed for that purpose. Being in an arena. I think that's only the second or third band that I, well, actually, sorry, it's, I should count tragically hip too, but that one almost didn't count. Cause I had to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's only three arena shows that I've ever been to before that one. And generally, just I, I don't like sitting in the seats. The floor is always so expensive. I did pay for floor for Blink because I knew I was going to rock out and move yeah. around mm-hmm. and get all my angsty youth out, sing along with <laughs> all the songs. A lot of scream singing, eh? Dude, I sang pretty much the whole time. <laughs> I, w- I was amazed. Like, I guess it makes sense because that's the only band I listened to when I was 13 years yeah. old. But, like, yeah. I knew every word. Dude, it, it, it was amazing. It's, it's in there. Yeah. The Blink-182 lyrics are in there. No, I did. Though This is where I'm going with this. I did a warm-up of, okay, I need to listen to some Blink before the show, but I need to know the time. So my friend was like, yeah, this is when they go on, and I'll look at the set list. And I go, like, don't tell me what the set list is. Yeah. But then I searched on Spotify, Blink, to listen before going to the show. And they had the playlist. And they had the playlist, and I listened to it. And it didn't detract from the show per se, but it certainly didn't make it better. <laughs> Where are you at with set lists and looking at them before a show? Because I, I don't think I'll ever do that again. No, I'm 100% with you. Like even when, because they played Coachella, right? And all those clips of Blink playing Coachella yeah. were going. And I was like going out of my way to like close the tab. Like I didn't want to see any of the live before. I didn't want to. And then when I went to my buddy's house for like a pre-show hangout, mm-hmm. Uh, they were playing the playlist, and like, no there was like there was like twelve. <laughs> Not even a courtesy. There were like twelve people there, and I wasn't going to be the guy who wow. was like, "Hey, man, turn this off." So yeah, yeah I did the same thing. Went so you it. heard exact. So oh, yeah. they were playing it. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, "Oh, so they will play Aliens Exist?" Yeah, which again, I just that that part sucked for me is yeah. I I didn't like knowing the songs I wasn't going to get ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And also I think that there's something about a show like that where they're just playing mostly bangers. Cause they only played, I want to say two yeah. songs that I didn't really know that I had heard before yeah. and that I went, okay, is this, this is what's going on here. All right. But there's something cool about being at a show and then when they go like song to song and they play, especially your song or one of the songs yeah, you really yeah. love where it pops and you hear that first little bit and you're like, you're like yes. Oh yeah. But underneath it all, I knew what was because they <laughs> set list. They did it exactly the same, which was kind of funny because a friend of mine sent me a Instagram video of Tom DeLong backstage going, hey, everybody. What's up? I can't do it. Tom. <laughs> I couldn't do it without doing that. Where are you? 
Which, by the way, I'm hearing so, all I'm those sorry. people do that outside the concert, doing, where are y'all? It was ruining it for me. <laughs> I went, listen, we all know that that's kind of funny, but hearing a million people singing it. And I caught it again yesterday because I was at the Jays game and the Blink people got out. And so we were all meshing together in the streets. Mm. It's a bit much. There was some guys <laughs> legit singing the songs that after. And I was like, yeah, keep it for in the stadium. Once the show is over, you're a guy in your 30s plus singing Blink-182 in the street. Nah, you made it corny and lame as hell. That's the thing. We're lame now. We're lame as oh, hell. That's, so, and, and the other sucks. thing, my other takeaway from that concert was like, we're old I, yeah, exactly. Lame. I feel yeah. like oftentimes when you go into a concert, there's like at least some kids yeah, no. around. Like, no, this no, is just people in their 30s. Joe Bo has not the, the money to get in there. You're like, no, 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 no. Anyway. And yeah, it was. <laughs> And that's the thing. What is he going to do in there? He knows two songs by them. And it's the like, ones that play in arenas. I'm just yeah. sitting here smiling. And it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. But I, I did. I made this joke about how when I first moved here, it was I went by a Guns N' Roses show and they're all dressed up like it. And I was like, ha, lame. And now I'm that. Yeah, oh yeah. You know, I'm there like, take me down to the paradise today. Like, except for it's, where are y'all? <laughs> yeah, it's not great when you're there too. It's an awesome show. I had a blast. Yeah, it was fun. But yeah, there was definitely a... You were listening to this at 13. and Oh, yeah. yeah. Anyways, the point was Tom DeLonge had a set list in the back, and he's like, I'm back here. I'm going to set list. And I was like, why do you need the set list for? You guys are playing the same show every time. You really... It's just muscle memory you're, now. Your drug-addled brain <laughs> can't retain <laughs> the same 20 songs you've been playing for 30 years, bro. Come on. It's got to be a little strange singing about very first date when you're... 60 minutes. Yeah, a lot of the lyrics are definitely not meant for like someone to yeah, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. their late 40s. It's really, yeah. It's, but yeah, that come. But you know what was cool? There was actually a por- part of the show when we were on Thursday where they're showing like they've got the cool video boards because the presentation of it was 10 out of 10. Yeah, great, it right? awesome. Like it was, it looked great. They had custom videos for every single uh, song. They had Travis obviously get the elevated drum kit so you could show mm-hmm. him off. There was my favorite part of the show outside of getting to feel that little recreation of youth was watching Travis drum and just getting locked into how special he is at his craft from time to time. Yeah. Going, oh, right. This guy is uh, one of one, essentially. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they put up all the people on the video board and you could see kind of people and they were in their outfits and I went, oh, you know. Now I see your inner children out here. You know, I see your inner angsty teenager as they're showing all the faces in the crowd singing along with the song. And it was nice. That was nice. Anyway, don't get old, Joe. I I want to do the (laughs) Billy Billy Madison's (laughs) grabbing by the cheeks. Never get old. Stay in school forever. I'll throw out a pity invite next time for whatever it is that I'm doing. You I can, apologize. You can't tell him it's a pity it. invite yeah. now. You can save it. <laughs> yeah. You ruined it already. Invite. I went with friends. <laughs> I go by so, myself. Solo so JD. Just alone sitting so Where are you, friends? <laughs> turning to someone hoping to make some Where sort of connection. Yeah, exactly. No, anyway, I just, I'm, com- I don't under, people need to explain to me what the upside is of a set list. Because I don't get it. I tried it. I entered your world for the first time. <laughs> Try it once. The set list mm. people listening to the set list beforehand or knowing it. And I I do think that what you can't have that much anxiety that you need to know what the songs are ahead of a show. It just doesn't make any sense. Especially because <laughs> if you're going, yeah. you're like you're going because you like them a lot. Yeah, They're no, gonna exactly. play songs that you like. You don't yeah. have to worry about yeah, it. Like. <laughs> well, especially if you're looking up the set list, because you're not yeah. some hater. I'm not gonna go, oh, Elton John, let me see the set list. All right, <laughs> Crocodile Rock, I'll be there. <laughs> well, know? hearing like yeah, JD just, like I, you 
like like you just you just said it a couple minutes ago. Like hearing like the first note of like your song when it comes on, like yeah. that's like one of the best parts of a concert. No, like, it's the best. Why do you want to root it for yeah. yourself? Yeah, it's really really good. And for song for a band like that, you absolutely do not need to have prep. You mm-hmm. your prep was called life. Your, <laughs> your prep was called being a millennial yeah. who uh, got hit with emo music yeah. and <laughs> pop punk. Yeah, it's in there. All right, you could play like probably five different bands that I haven't heard in forever, and I would go, oh, that's just there. Yeah. I got that. Uh, I probably had it as MSN Messenger status. Jeez. <laughs> I love the, mes- the yeah. lyric emo, as a messenger status. Emo messenger <laughs> yeah, status. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you got to have it. All Huge. right. So NBA conference final starts tonight. Mm-hmm. Thank God. Um, NHL second round sucked. Let's just say it. It was bad. Carolina whooped up on New Jersey. Barely watched it. Um the Leafs were a huge disappointment. The Oilers games, they put on 10 o'clock Sunday night. <laughs> they were like, the NHL six. actively was saying, we do not want you to watch our games. Yeah. We're doing everything possible. They basically put it on a paywall. You have to be on the moon 10 <laughs> o'clock at night. Well, and you saw the ESPN thing, like they Dude. wouldn't cut away from a 9-1 baseball game or whatever. to Dude, go. It's, <laughs> it's embarrassing. <laughs> it's See, really Seattle embarrassing. Dallas was fun to watch. Uh, it was, that was the best series. Exactly. When seven and crack good in comparison to the rest of them. Yeah. Anyways, now we've ended up with a Stanley cup play or finals. That's just tell us how you really feel. Well, (laughs) people call it, you know, what Gary Bettman always wanted because it's the markets where he'd love to grow the sport. But this is the thing. I actually, I tweeted yesterday after a couple beers at the Blue Jays game, <laughs> a little mistake, a little mistakey poo because I was sour at the bar. Like, I wanted the Kraken to win. They were the one. I like. I was cheering for the Leafs, and I like Seattle sports. Mm-hmm. So I'm just sitting there like, great, you know, bang <laughs> one out. How many guys came from there? None. It's like the Hughes brothers and Brian Leach. It's fine. Got some guys from Texas, essentially. And I'm just sitting there going, this sucks so badly. And, you know, my friend Haley Salvian replies, and she goes, well, maybe they grow the game in these spots. I was like, we're still doing that. Like, is it really worth having the Arizona Coyotes have an empty building every single year? And they're like, but Matthew, yeah, also you know, Matthews came from there. It's like, okay, yeah, one guy is sweet. One guy, one guy years. in 20 years. <laughs> but it's like, also, do you really think that there was no shot that those guys wouldn't have, you know, been from there had there not been professional? Like, I, I just think it's such a fallacy. You know how every time the Olympics comes and it costs so much money and they go, yeah, but you need this velodrome because you're going to just <laughs> pop off. The velodrome people are going to go nuts over this thing. Build it, build it, build it. Sport in your city is going to take off. You're going to have an active city. And then the Olympics leaves and you go, what's that building? And you go, it's a velodrome. And it cost a yeah. billion dollars. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and now it's a shelter. <laughs> Actually, that'd be a good use of it. So anyway, it just, yeah, it's kind of that where we have to sell ourselves on the idea of, oh, it's good for the growth of the shut up. Mm-hmm. The people in Florida are not rushing out. Where go hey Siri, where is my local hockey rink? <laughs> where do no. the Panthers play? <laughs> yeah. It's summertime in Florida. I promise you, we're not growing the game. We're not. It's just a joke. Everybody in that area is going to the heat game. Yeah, man, going it's, to the yeah exactly. It's just it's it's not Whatever. Anyway, actually, I think Carolina has grown hockey a little bit. I think that has actually taken some steps. Mm-hmm. It's a real sport market, and they've got college, and so you've got teams there because they had a really good outdoor game experience. Or I can't remember for the outdoor, but it was NC State. Mm. So two Carolina teams played each other in college hockey this year that made a little bit of buzz. I can barely remember the details of it, but either way, it just yeah, Dallas, like they would. 
they would fold the stars. Like how many people in Dallas would just fold the stars, give them away, let them walk down the street, you know, have them move like that Baltimore Colts team that just packed up in and left town in the middle of the night. <laughs> One of the original 30 for 30s. They would have that for what? A nine and seven Cowboys team. Oh yeah. They're like, you, you'll be they're, they're like, you'll be leading the giants at halftime of a Monday night game. <laughs> Will you fold the Dallas Stars? And how many people? Goodbye, everybody. They're just like, we're signing this. (laughs) And if you're not signing this, we're shooting you. (laughs) (laughs) You better sign, son. That's a lot of what that would be. So, yeah, I don't know. It just sucks. It's the markets matter here and it's ugly jerseys and. Like the red on red in the Eastern Conference final of Carolina and Florida. Not excited for that. Anyway, the NBA sucked too. The LeBron Steph was a complete dis. That sucked. Blowouts. That sucked. There was never fun in terms of like, oh, it's like a nostalgic 90s. Yeah, but but they had to watch the games and they they were were horrible. (laughs) There was no, oh, wow, what a fun time this is. No, that sucked. Those Mm -hmm. were bad. The Suns series was okay. But it was only really okay because Booker was going off and then Jokic was just like truly brilliant. Yeah. And I'll get into it that was okay in a second. for like three games. And then the Celtics series was really about, man, are the Celtics really going to blow this because the Sixers are so not special? And then the Sixers laid down in a game seven. You went, oh, okay. Got, got a little better as it went on, but ultimately not. Here's mm-hmm. what I love from the last round, though. Number one is LeBron just took it to Steph Curry in that game six and just said, no, the series is over. He was incredible. And it was... We, we truly did get a masterful LeBron James yeah. game. What we also got in the second round was Nikolai Jokic telling the world, shut the, you know, up. Front door. Everybody shut up. There is going to be, historically, when we look back on that Joel Embiid MVP. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh my God. Did you see that stat flying around that that, um, that Jokic Embiid's... is better than Embiid? Yeah, no. is, I've seen <laughs> no, that. There's stat. a lot of stats. Yeah, for that. there's a lot of stats. No, that Embiid's the only MVP he's never been to the conference. Who, finals. He's never made the conference finals. Yeah, I, and I know I, he's still in the middle of his thing, but that just seems surprising to me. Anyway, yeah, yeah, you're that, right. that's not, an not unfair stat though because those other guys had like their whole careers. That's to what do I mean. It, like I know he's still only in the midst of it, but you're, me, I, you're 100 right. I did a whole thing on Sixers Leafs parallels, and it's it's actually sad. I even saw a thing today. It was Michael Lombardi. Uh, the former GM who had this thing about it was a Bill Parcells quote. And he, hold on, I'll pull it up because it made it sucked. It made me think about Lee because he's a big Sixers fan, right? Mm. And he's pissed. And he, he was all hot and bothered on his podcast. And here it is. This is the quote said, Bill Parcells used to say, if you don't teach them to bite as a puppy, they won't bite when they're dogs. Joel Embiid never learned how to bite. And the blame starts at the highest levels of the 76ers organization. Yeah, for the first like five years of his career, and it was, I was just like, okay to be bad and whoa. not play and <laughs> lose games. And you missed the first two seasons. Yeah, and that was totally fine. All I'm yeah. saying is All that it's, you could put the Leafs, awesome ads, you never learn how to bite as a puppy. And this, like you could do the exact same thing. When you right? said that quote, that was the first thing I thought of. Yeah. No, Austin Matthews, Joel Embiid have some parallels. They but, do. But, and yes, yeah, sorry, I, I sidetracked the whole thing. And Harden and Marner, too. <laughs> Yikes. Oh, yeah. boy. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, you're right there. We're going to look back on this MVP and be like, what the hell are we thinking? So I'm so excited for I'm way more excited for Jokic LeBron mm-hmm. than I was for Steph LeBron. Mm. I was still mourning my Kangs. 
<laughs> and then we got really nothing. And I, I just never liked that Warriors team. And I never believed that they were going to go on the road and win games. And it just, it became so obvious in that series too, that their, their regular season was not just a, a lie this time around the whole mm-hmm. Wiggins disappearing and then showing up and being hurt thing. And you went, wait, that was their second best guy in the finals last year. He's not himself. Draymond basically kissed LeBron on the lips <laughs> when the series was over. Yeah. He was like, I love you, daddy. <laughs> Draymond could do a loves, podcast about you, man. I, I said it, but Draymond needs LeBron to amplify his legacy when he's done, because you know that when it's all over, LeBron is going to be like, and Draymond was the greatest defender that I yeah, ever yeah. faced and all those finals against, because they, they mutually have a good thing where it explains for some of LeBron's losses. He has to, he can give less credit to Curry and yeah, Draymond who everyone goes, you're, you wouldn't have been a champion on many other teams. All of a sudden, the, one of the game's greatest players ever is going to always be there to staunchly defend his legacy. <laughs> they have a mutual admiration, but it's built yeah. off of it's we, I see it for what it is. It's built off of these guys are their legacy keepers. Yeah. They both have each other's interests. You see Draymond's going to announce his decision on his podcast. Too. Oh, it's like, like kissing the, LeBron more. He's like, I'm going, I'm announcing, I'm going to kiss well, LeBron whenever I can. He's doing the decision 2.0. <laughs> I love kissing him. <laughs> he's doing the 2023 decision. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. Draymond. Uh, <laughs> he just, Clay is washed. Draymond is actually still really good. But the idea that you're going to pay him a big extension, yeah, it's a tough one to yeah, imagine. Yeah, that next yeah. contract is Pool be a was completely one. done. And yeah, it's pretty clear that they never moved off of the whole player on his team knocked him out cold and <laughs> it became a huge viral video. Their young guys never stepped up. It's just there was nothing around Steph Curry. Steph was trying to do everything. And you yes. could see the frustration of Steph in that series too, so many times of just, ugh, okay, well. I'm just gonna throw up a prayer of a three, like a regular season yeah. game. And he nor- like he doesn't normally want to be that shoot it that many That's times I mean. type of guy, but he, he like there was no one else coming in there to help out. But Jokic, the numbers, the fifty point game on the road, mm-hmm. the just gorgeous passing plays. He has and and this is what is so cool about this Western Conference final. Either LeBron gets back with an opportunity to go get five, mm. probably against the Celtics, by mm. the way, which would really Lakers Celtics. Well, Lakers Celtics is always just so hot that LeBron that idea is the there. Legacy, like, but oof. LeBron for the legacy, and oof. also LeBron has never really been truly embraced by LA. They've never. It's just like always felt like he was a mercenary. If LeBron does this in his age thirty eight season and ends up in the finals and beats the Boston Celtics, I'll tell you that Statue. It's, it, he's mm-hmm. he's a, he's a Laker now, right? Statue. He never felt like quite a Laker like some of the other greats. Yeah, because he's a Cav, right? Like yeah. he's yeah. a he's a Heat. Yeah, yeah. And now all of a sudden he would have it, and you'd go, "Wow, he did win two rings, one and a half rings." That bubble one was fake, even no matter yeah, how many times. But then, but then this one counts for one point five, so we're back up. Yeah, to two. yeah. You know what? <laughs> That's actually good. If he beats the Celtics, that counts as one point five. Yeah. I think that does right. Yeah. And so the legacy stakes for LeBron are immense, and it's just still clear that he's the most important guy on the team. He's made mm-hmm. all these guys better around him. He's completely bought in. He's still physically dominant to a certain degree. He's not the same player. But it's just his brain and, yeah, the yeah. the overwhelming physicality that he still has, the evolution of his game, amazing. Potential with the Celtics. I don't want to write off the heat, but... They're going to play the Celtics tough. You know that. Like yeah. I know. But we really need the Celtics to win because it's sure. so much less compelling a finals with mm-hmm. the Miami Heat in there. Yeah. Well, if Tatum can take over fourth quarters like he did against Philadelphia, 
It's yeah. going to be hard for Miami to close them out. I know. The Celtics team still does just seem flawed and idiotic, though. Yeah, there's something weird yeah, going on there, just, eh? uh, Like, talent-wise, they're awesome. And mm-hmm. But you nailed it with the whole LeBron thing that I'm most pumped for. is Like you said, like, his brain. It was yeah. all, like, and, and in game six, like, that, that was yeah. a full, like, he LeBron. controlled absolutely yeah. everything. He outthought everybody <laughs> on the court. Like, it was unbelievable. Yeah. And I'm so excited for... Jokic versus Le- because that's like that, that's brains. the two the two the best brains, brains in the saying. entire game and they're gonna control every you know every possession yeah yep. oh my god it's just gonna be so any minutes that like neither of them are on the court is just gonna be such Who a cares? letdown yeah. <laughs> um, who do you guys think it's bigger for then Jokic or LeBron well it's definitely bigger for LeBron because he couldn't get five rings and it's just yeah. a different legacy sake but it's sneaky close for Jokic because this is the mm. thing is he got really disrespected this year yeah. and there was almost this undercurrent of hey Jokic hasn't done it in the playoffs and so why is everybody saying that he's such a game great yeah and, and I think that I think there was definitely a pushback from like like yeah Former players, especially American former players, African-American former players that were like, you guys are freaking out about Jokic and you guys are freaking out about, uh, oh my God, I'm blanket, Doncic right uh, before yeah, him. Okay, yeah. And Doncic got smoked and he didn't really do anything this year. And Jokic hasn't done anything in the finals. You're really going to give him three straight MVPs. Like, yeah. And it, there became like a racial component to it that I think really put the league off kilter and Mm -hmm. Jokic is on at a weird time and it's a Denver Nuggets team and the Western conference is like, Oh, the Lakers and the Warriors. He's he's such a different superstar where he's like a big milk bag who runs up the floor (laughs) slow. And when he catches the ball, there's no explosivity to his game. It's just all beautiful passes. It can look awkward. You have to in general be a little, Dude, he shoots a little mid-range thing. Yeah. What's so cool about Jokic and what was so awesome watching him in that Sun series, and I think what everyone got is that he's just unstoppable. Is oh, that yeah. he will find something to break you down and beat you with. If you try to cover him one-on-one, he's so big and he he's got like a kind of an ugly shot where you go, shoot that. And it's like drain, <laughs> yeah. drain. Yeah. If he's like anywhere near the paint, he's knocking those suckers down over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And then he's got like a pretty post game. He rebounds the hell of the ball. He doesn't protect the rim particularly well. It's going to be interesting to see the Lakers, the way that they go after him. Mm -hmm. But the passing and the playmaking, the fact that he can just see over every defense, and the second that you try to cheat on him, he's like, nope, no way. (laughs) He doesn't make bad decisions. He doesn't take bad shots. He's just an efficiency machine. And so where I think it's big for him, Jobo, is that if he goes to the finals and he wins, I think even if he does end up in the finals, but yeah, I, especially if he wins, mm-hmm. he's the game's best player. Yeah. It's a huge F you to the, like for the whole like season. We're off the Giannis thing. Yeah. Like Giannis has sort of been the, Hey, this is the number one guy you'd want to have. And then he got hurt and he came back and he was less than spectacular in that game. And he's sort of been the title holder for this guy is the best player in the NBA. This is the number one guy you would pick in the draft. And then like Doncic was sort of in that conversation. I think Booker actually did a lot for himself with his playoff run in terms of the way that he played. Yep. Tatum has been kind of around it, but not there. And bead is obviously the MVP. But he kind of clowns Embiid's MVP. Yeah, he does. Oh, absolutely. If he wins. Like, it becomes immediately like that Harden-Westbrook one where you go, okay, we gave it to him because of the triple doubles, but we were all being pretty stupid. In hindsight, Mm -hmm. it should have been James Harden winning that MVP. Yeah, you're right. The talking point of Embiid's MVP immediately becomes, oh, wasn't that the year that Jokic Jokic didn't win and then won a title and was the finals MVP? Average (laughs) 30-13-10 on the way to the NBA finals. And so it's like, to me, LeBron is definitely, 
in, in my, it's, it's always so hard with some of the stuff. Cause I think some guys get completely overlooked. Like I think Bill Russell gets really overlooked. I think Kareem sure. actually gets really overlooked for sure. We just start to move in a, a, like, like how anyone could make the case that Kobe Bryant, you know, if we're doing the game's greatest players is ahead of like Bill Russell and Kareem's nuts to me. When I look mm-hmm. at the resumes and I look at what they accomplished and I go, what? <laughs> okay. All right. Fine. I'll <laughs> shut up about this. Cause everybody freaks out about Kobe. Why do do this? But fine, fine. Um, but to me, LeBron is the second greatest player of all time. I got MJ one and I have LeBron two. Yeah. And yeah, for LeBron James to get five rings and for one to be that meaningful right there near the end of his career. And then, yeah, just a, a team that's still pretty good had, with the Lakers heading into another season and the revitalization of that, the fact that he could catch MJ. For, I think if LeBron does get six rings, the same as MJ, it's really, really, really hard to make the case that LeBron didn't have the greatest career in NBA history. That's right. what I was about yeah. to ask So it's you. like that's still yeah. on the table. Yeah. The like, he's already there in the conversation with him. So like Absolutely. this one doesn't do it. But for Jokic, it's so big because we can consider him the game's greatest player. And it's sort of hard to push back on it. You go, the guy who went back to back MVP should have won a third and then won a title with this Denver Nuggets team around him. That's like fine. Mm-hmm. But he turned to Aaron Gordon, who was in a crappy Orlando. We knew Aaron Gordon from crying about losing the dunk contest. And now all <laughs> yeah. of a sudden he's this important piece who's able to get you, you know, 14, 15 a night. Yeah. And a bunch of boards. Except when I bet on him, of course. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. Had that Unbelievable. going for me too. Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the stakes are extremely high. And I think it's mm-hmm. right now. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I think that those are the two most important guys in the NBA right now. Jokic and LeBron mm. facing head to head. Because I do think Jokic is the best player in the NBA. Like watching that series against the Suns, I went, this is just truly incredible. It's amazing. And the thing like, he'll do that. He'll do that thing. Some of those Lakers role players who kind of fall asleep on defense sometimes, mm-hmm. like absolutely, can you not do that against Jokic? No, like no, he is no. gonna, he is just gonna absolutely pick apart anyone who's not completely dialed in for I the think, whole time. I think they're gonna beat the brakes off the Lakers in the first game. Like I, yeah, yeah. no one's beat Denver at home yet, and that's also the thing. Altitude. Yeah, but that's <laughs> I just I, love that. But I point. also love that a guy just defends his court like that. Like you got to no, go sure. out to Jokic's house. Yeah. And he goes, you'll never win here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Versus, say, the Toronto Maple Leafs, where you show up in their house and they're like, we're peeing. <laughs> don't look at our pee on our legs. Please don't look at our pee-pee. Oh, oh it's making a hole in the ice. <laughs> this isn't good. Get the Zamboni. Anyway. Uh, right. Prediction time. Who you got in the Western Conference fi- uh, Finals? I got Nuggets Celtics. Okay. Yeah. Mm. yeah how, how many games? Nuggets well, that's going to be in the finals. I'm no, gonna I know. How many games for the Nuggets? How many games for the Celtics? No, it'll probably be about six, maybe seven. I think that's going to be a hard-fought series. Like, I don't think LeBron's going down with a fight, and oh, AD looks good. Sure. And Yeah, some of those role players have really stepped up. Mm-hmm. I don't really trust the Lonnie Walker thing, but no. it does, like, the thing that Lakers have is they just seem, they, they've got, like, um, how, how could I put this? Like, guys that might give you something every night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the thing, right, is they, like, you don't know who, but like one or two of their role guys will show up every game. Kind like of, yeah. One night it'll be D'Angelo Russell, and then the next game he'll be awful. But yeah, then the next exactly. game Austin Reeves will be pretty good, and then the yeah. next game he'll have four but points. But I think Reeves is, sure is good. I think Reeves is good too. Yeah, but it's like just like Reeves. two of those guys always yeah. seem to kind of show up. So Rui Hachimura all of a sudden yeah, hits four yeah. threes. That's like, the thing. Oh, okay, there's that guy. There's just they have a bunch. <laughs> of, they just have enough guys who can give you something. Where yeah. it's like Rui, yeah, Lonnie Walker. I don't even count because he had the one game. But then they played him again the next night, and you went, "What are they still doing with this? Why is he taking shots? He had like four points, and he's still out there going, you guys remember?'" 
like, yeah, we remember, but he's that's probably enough. He's averaging seven over the whole playoffs. The guy, the, yeah. the weird ones is how, yeah, Beasley is just not a factor yeah, for them. At all. And then, yeah, Vanderbilt, they tried as a defensive guy, but those were the two dudes that everyone's a trade. People were freaking out over. I like those trades too, but yeah, they're kind of non-factors mm-hmm. anyway. So I like them, and Celtics I think the Celt- I think Celtics Heat is going to be the same thing. I think it's going to be six or seven games, and it's going to be one of those stupid series where Jimmy Butler just sticks it to them and puts Celtics fans into yeah a, a pretty crazy place, and we get some yeah some really that th- that one's interesting because the coaching mismatch is so oh, drastic. Mess, yeah. You know what else that's interesting? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Marcus Smart, Kyle Lowry, who can flop more? Let's find out. Yeah, the out. classic, the return oh of those two. Oh, God. Yeah. Let's go. I want them guarding each other. I want <laughs> yeah, both I of them falling they down. Is. All the time. ball slowly rolling away as they're both on the ground that's for it. some reason. That's why I was, there's not, there was, <laughs> there was nothing, nothing funnier than Raptors fans in the bubble hating Marcus Smart. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we have a Marcus yeah. like, Smart. <laughs> you, now you get it. You are looking at your guy in the mirror. He's just <laughs> I bigger. Say, we yeah. have the Toronto Marcus Smart. Anyways, let's wrap this sucker up. Uh, yeah, I don't think we'll do anything else today. We'll just get going. We'll leave. You here. said one more thing to fire at us, or is that the blink one? No, that was set, set list. list. Okay, yeah, right. that was set list. Yeah, if you guys think there's anything that we need to do right now, no. Uh, conference finals is the big talking point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm ready for that. Mm-hmm. And then, man, Panthers Canes. Talk about just your classic matchup. Canes and four. A rivalry renewed. Yeah. I love All the guys right. too that are like, then don't watch. Like, shut up. <laughs> I have to for work. <laughs> we work in sports. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's my professional yeah. obligation. Do you know how I just do not want to watch those? Like, <laughs> do you think that the Stars Vegas game that's going to come on at 10 o'clock again on a Sunday, I'm going to be like, yes, let's go. Although I will say that I really like Rupe Hints. Mm. I'm a big he's fan. Fast. Yeah, he's nasty. I really like that guy. He like, stripped. Uh, it was yeah. Jamie Alexiak. Yeah. Stripped and took the puck. Damn. He's nasty. Mm-hmm. He's really nasty. But yeah, just this has got to be the ugliest set of four sweaters, too, that they could have picked in those the league. Those Vegas jerseys, those like kind of mustardy, goldy ones. I hate them they so are much. so bad. They're kind of okay for who they are. I, but yeah. the fact that they're playing Dallas, who has ugly, you know, jerseys, and then you've got the red on red of the two. How are all the teams red all of a sudden? It was like we, <laughs> the Panthers, like they're out east. It was just Carolina and Jersey, you know, and ours. And now is this. Detroit but was there. I just. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, that's fun. Hey, Dallas, watch, watch it. Most of the Dallas Vegas games look like they're around eight o'clock. You watch thankfully. it. Thankfully, Dallas. So finally, they figured out. They're like, yeah. maybe we shouldn't put these games on when instead of putting Edmonton most of our LA audience is asleep. At Ten p.m. on a Sunday night. Huh. Maybe we should do that. Great league. Anyway, subscribe, review, send me a message, hit me up if you want to bet on Botano. We'll see you tomorrow.